0: Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Good morning, good morning, good morning. We are super pumped about this being the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. You know when God made this day, he had you in mind and he said that this day was gonna work together for your good and the Bible declares that we have brand new mercies this day. Amen. So God has already made provisions for our mistakes, our mishaps and everything like that. And so we're excited. Um, this is just Antoine with day 13. God is just blessing. Um, we dealt with, you know, the alone man and, um, you know, just men. excuse me, being alone and, you know, experiencing, you know, pushing people off and, you know, trying to do it by yourself and, and things like that. We dealt with the mother womb and, and the father womb. And so it's, it's just been exciting. It's been good. You know, um, I'm looking forward to God continuing to minister to me so that I can be the best me that I can be. And so I'm gonna encourage you to be evangelistic and invite people. You know, share these links. um, Let them know that hey, they need to get going and and get on with us. And you know, these things are uh, they're being recorded, and so they can go back and start from day one and and come on up to day thirteen. Amen. Meet me at six a.m. in the morning. um, Well, whatever time that you uh can a lot you know it's none of them is more than an hour so um we're we're excited that god is is on the throne amen and we can grow and and grow in grace and the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ so um get get evangelistic and invite somebody share this link amen let them know that hey God has a plan for them to be better, amen, and they don't have to do it alone, um, we have some men that's excited to join in and, and go step by step with you uh, in this journey to be the best man you can be, best man you can be, so let us go ahead and get started, we are in volume three now, day one, and um, God is good, God is good, hallelujah,
1: welcome guys the name of this volume of 33 is a man and his traps my name is john bryson and i'm sitting here with my friends and co-presenters brian carter and tears green and really what we're going to be talking about here is the common pitfalls and struggles that all of us as men must deal with you see in our journey to authentic manhood we are all going to stumble we're going to be tempted and at times to leave the noble pathways and we're all susceptible to those common traps that can knock us into the gutter of life. It is absolutely essential that we completely understand and fully believe that it is the path of authentic manhood that will ultimately be rewarding and fulfilling and gratify us, not the false promises offered by these traps, idols, temptations, these behaviors, these sins. All of it is crud. A lot of this is really connected to the things that we've already discussed in the first two volumes of 33. In the first volume, we introduced God's design for authentic manhood, the great vision that He has for all of us as men. Then in volume two, we looked back and deep into our own stories as men and came to understand certain key life relationships and events that may even make us more prone or subject to some of these traps. And guys, you'll hear us say this over and over because it's so important, but we really want to challenge you to do this, experience this with a group of guys, not alone. It's in the community of men that you'll experience true transparency and real growth. Also, be sure to get your own training guide. You won't fully experience 33 without it. It's full of all kinds of additional insights and resources that'll help you maximize your 33 experience. It gives you a number of practical applications that are essential for your journey.
2: People triumph in the fact that slavery is dead but last time I checked it just changed clothes instead and so casinos, malls, strip clubs looking like modern-day temples, acting like we self-sufficient so we make ourselves central but we're slaves to things, possessions and screens, slave to money which is why no one lives within their means, broken, hopeless, spiritually homeless but we keep going on with our lives as if no one seems to notice. How well is that working for you? You satisfied bro? You got joy? How does it feel chasing stuff that's always a little faster than you? How come the image you used to stare at years ago doesn't even register anymore? I mean, the biggest lie in the world is I'll be satisfied if I just have a little more. So we're addicted to sex. We're addicted to power. We call ourselves men, but really we're just cowards because the apple looks sweet, but then it turns sour. How come every time we buy into an idol, We're the ones that get devoured i mean you say you're not a slave but here's something to chew you ever wondered why pixels of naked girls got so much power over you but here's a question what if kids acted realistic about what they wanted to be when they grow up so at birth they show up and say hey mom at age 11 i want to become a slave i want to make porn my slave master and then die in that grave and by 16 i want to be so wrapped up in what others say about me in school that I'll do anything, if just once they'll tell me that I'm cool. And by college, I wanna worship at the altar of sex, not care about treating a girl right, just caring about what girl is next. And then I'll graduate, get married and get a job and start to save, treat my job like my wife and treat my wife like my slave. And then have some pretty trophy kids and live in pretty trophy bliss, but make sure my kids know that if SportsCenter comes on, they need to quickly split because those guys throwing the football with eye black on their skin, yeah, my whole week depends on if they win. Comfort, power, sex, alcohol, religion, pleasure, all good things unless turned into an ultimate thing. Because the problem isn't what you do, it's that your heart needs to be made new. Because if you don't crush your idols, then your idols will crush you. You know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing expecting different results. And by that definition, most of us are insane because we run to the same filth, even though it hurt us yesterday and say, come on, please satisfy me today. And Jesus said, you try to gain your life, you'll lose it. You lose your life, you'll gain it. But we've all traded in the creator for something created, thinking that just because you got a nice house and a car, you made it. Now realizing if your soul ain't right, you're no different than a fish, bro, because you just got baited. Because idols, they over promise and underdeliver. deliver. They operate by deceiving. An idol is when you look at something and say, if I have that, then I'll have meaning. And if we don't put God in his rightful place, we'll put something else there. And so we make good things, God things, and then go into despair. And just like Elijah called down the fire and the altar exploded into flames. No, there's only one God that comes through and you need him and Jesus is his name because when you're sick and thirsty, toilet water might be attractive, but if you got something better, bro, then toilet water looks nasty because an idol is dead. It doesn't live. An idol takes, it never gives. So repent, get on your knees and admit your heart's full of diseases. Want to know what a true man looks like? Then look to Jesus.
3: Welcome, guys, to volume three of 33 of this series. This volume is called A Man and His Traps. And over the next six sessions, we're going to look deep into the heart of a man, explore some areas that are all too easy to ignore but are critical to who we are as men. Guys, too many men have let temptation and traps neutralize their effectiveness as men. Too many guys have wrecked their own lives and the lives of those around them. Too many of us are living in shame, in guilt, and in hiding. Whether it's obvious issues like adultery, pornography, and excessive financial debt, or the hidden issues like the desperate need for approval, disappointment with life, and the fear of failure. Guys, in this vibe, we are going to stare these temptations right in the face we're going to deal with and understand the choices that we make that hinder our experience of the abundant life that we were created to live. The life of true fulfillment promised by the Bible for those who live in the grace offered by Jesus Christ. We're going to understand and deal with why we would ever willfully choose something other than God's best for our lives. Now, in today's session, we wanna do two things. First, we're going to present some key realities that are foundational for this entire volume. As we talk about the noble fight against traps and temptations, there are some basic concepts that we must understand. After we talk about these key realities, the second thing we want to do is to provide you with a framework for understanding temptation in the life of a man. Why is it that we struggle with certain issues? Why do we keep making the same bad decision over and over again? We wanna give you a biblical grid that will help you understand what is actually driving your struggles. We're gonna help you get to the root issue, the sin beneath the sin. So let's get started. Tears is going to introduce us to four key realities that are going to guide us through this volume. If you've experienced volumes one or two of 33, you'll recognize some of these. If you haven't and you wanna dive deeper into these issues, I'd like to encourage you to check out those sessions. We wanna review them here because they are essential for dealing with temptation in the life
4: of a man. All right guys, here's the first key reality. Ruthless honesty. Ruthless honesty. In order to experience ultimate freedom, you've got to be willing to pursue ruthless honesty in the company of trustworthy men. You know, a lot of us are just pretending that we have it all together. We go through life as if we were wearing a mask, just trying to cover up our imperfections. We pretend like life is great or struggle free. For some guys, their lives are out of control or filled with anxiety, but they pretend like everything's okay. We pretend like we've got it all together, believing the lie that we are defined by our performance. Here's how author David White puts it. All of us live in fear of exposure. We don't want the worst things about us to be known. We posture and wear masks. We establish elaborate facades and hide behind our good deeds. This refusal to be truly known and exposed keeps us stuck in our sin. And the hard truth is this. Guys, you're a mess and I'm a mess. What's tempting you tempts me. And it tempts every man in one form or another. That mythical guy whose life appears to be morally perfect, well, he doesn't really exist. So let's stop pretending and pursue ruthless honesty with other men. This must become a way of life for us in our journey toward authentic manhood. We've got to share our struggles with trustworthy men because on this side of heaven, we'll never cease to struggle. And that's our second key reality. Struggle and temptation. Struggle and temptation. There's no such thing as a life apart from struggle and temptation. Uh, In fact, do you know what you call a life apart from sin? Well, that would be heaven. But for now, we are broken men living in a broken world. Because of Adam's sin, our hearts have been corrupted and our default mode apart from Christ, is to have an unhealthy desire for the things of this world. The Bible tells us that apart from a relationship with Jesus, our natural tendency is not only to fall into temptation's traps, but that we'll actually run after them, we'll cultivate them, and eventually, we'll even worship them. And even if we've already chosen to follow Christ, well, we still face this tension in our desires. The apostle Paul addressed this in his letter to the Galatians. He said, "...the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do." Hey guys, if we're honest, I think we would admit that all of us have felt that. We have all chosen to do something that we know we shouldn't have done something that distracts us from our highest purpose. This is a reality that every man must deal with during his time on planet Earth. As one author described it, we are either battling sin, actively sinning, or we are in the aftermath of sin. And that's why we need to remember the third key reality for this volume. It can be summed up in one word. That word is grace. It's the idea of a free gift. Something given to you apart from anything you've done. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, then you've received God's free gift of salvation and forgiveness. Regardless of your performance, good or bad, you cannot lose or get more of this gift. Now unfortunately, too many of us often act like Jesus only paid the price for our past sins. And after that, well, it's up to us. We think we get in by grace, but we act like we stay in by self-effort. But guys, it's all grace. And how we respond when we stumble reveals if we've truly embraced this reality. Matt Chandler describes it this way. He says, The marker of those who understand the gospel of Jesus Christ is that when they stumble and fall, when they screw up, they run to God and not from Him, because they clearly understand that their acceptance before God is not predicated upon their behavior, but on the righteous life of Jesus Christ and His sacrificial death. In everything we talk about in this volume, grace is at the core. That's because you're going to mess up. You'll mess up in the days or weeks between watching these sessions. But remember, Jesus has already paid the price for your mistakes. Past, present, and future. So, when you fall, run toward God and His grace, not away from Him. Now, here's our fourth and final key reality. Two words. Heart change. Heart change. Authentic manhood is primarily about heart change. The noble fight against sin and temptation is not just about behavior modification. Our primary goal is not merely to get you to stop doing certain behaviors. Jesus ultimately wants our heart. He doesn't just want us to stop lying. He wants us to love the truth. He doesn't just want us to be free from materialism. He wants us to love generosity. Behavior modification without heart change is dangerous because it looks like holiness, but it only hides the deeper issues. And that's why in this volume, we're not only going to examine specific behaviors and external issues. I mean, we're going to do that, but we're also going to look at the deep motivations in our heart. Those motivations that are driving us towards certain actions And attitudes and activities, those manhood traps. This framework is going to give us a new
3: perspective that will help us move beyond just changing external behavior and will help us get underneath the surface of our deep internal desires, our heart. This framework will set us up to do just that, to understand struggles at a heart level. The Bible says, that all wrong behavior ultimately goes back to a heart problem. And do you know how the Bible describes this heart problem? It uses one word, idolatry. Idolatry is when we allow anything other than God to become the center of our hearts, true happiness, contentment, meaning, identity, purpose, or security. It's when we allow something else to become an idol or a surrogate God in our lives, ruling our thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. All of us are worshipers. You see, we all worship something or someone. The question becomes who or what it is that we worship. All of our sin, all of our idolatry, ultimately is a result of our hearts seeking happiness in something other than God. It's a problem that goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinning, Genesis 3, wasn't merely their outward behavior that they ate a particular fruit. They sought happiness outside of God and its designated pathway. They bought into Satan's lie that God was holding out on them and that they needed something outside of God and its provision to be happy. Pastor Tim Keller summarizes idolatry this way. He says, idolatry is always the reason we ever do anything wrong. Why do we ever lie or fail to love or keep promises or live unselfishly? The specific answer is always that there is something besides Jesus Christ that you feel you must have to be happy. Something that is more important to your heart than God. The secret to change is to always identify the idols of the heart. So as we think about sin, traps, temptation, and common method struggles in this volume, we have to get beyond just external behavior and understand the biblical framework of idolatry and idols. Just like we do in other volumes of 33, we are going to journey in the places most men have never journeyed. As we unpack this framework of idolatry, there are a few things that you need to know about idols that will help set it up. First, an idol can be anything, even a good thing. We can make an idol out of money or sex or religion, relationship, our family, our performance, material possessions, knowledge, a sports team, our career, alcohol, drugs, food, physical fitness, clothes, a political party, or even a social cause. An idol is anything that competes with God for our heart's affection. Or, as Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones has said, an idol is usually whatever rouses and attracts me so easily that I give my time, my attention, my energy, and my money to it effortlessly. The second thing you need to know is that idolatry is built on a lie. Idols dupe us. They promise us happiness, but they only bring diminishing returns and eventually enslavement. They always overpromise and underdeliver. They always fail to bring lasting rest or refreshment. That vacation never feels long enough. That higher income doesn't buy enough. That special person eventually disappoints. The alcohol, pornography, or the downtime doesn't provide the escape you hoped for. The smell of that new car wears off. Idols always disappoint and enslave. Here's a third thing you need to know about idols. They come from legitimate desires that are being expressed in inordinate or inappropriate ways. God created many things for our pleasure and enjoyment. For instance, Food and sex are God's good gift to humanity, but he has given us noble ways of enjoying them. What's wrong is to misuse them, worship them, to pursue them outside of God's purpose for them. When you schedule your existence around something, hide your consumption of them from others or make them your favorite source of comfort, that's when they cross the line. Here's the final thing that helps set up our framework, and that is to organize idols in the two categories, or what Pastor Tim Keller calls surface idols and deep idols. Surface idols tend to be obvious, like the top part of a big iceberg that is sticking up above the surface of the ocean. They're easily recognizable in a person's life. They're usually directly related to some external behavior. We've mentioned many of them already, like work, sex, food, or money. Deep idols, on the other hand, like the mammon underside of an iceberg, which actually accounts for most of its mass, refer to the core desires below the surface, the ones that rule our hearts and are the motivating voices behind our surface idols and external behaviors. If surface idols and external behavior Are the branches, then the deep idols are the roots. And if you are ever going to make lasting change in your life, you always have to get to the root. As we introduce these three deep idols to you, you'll come to see that it is the deep idols that lie at the root of every manhood struggle. It's these deep idols that cause the manhood traps that can ultimately devour us. So, Here they are. We call them the deep idols of control, significance, and comfort. Let's unpack each of these in a little more detail. Look at the core lies they tell us and identify their typical characteristics. The first deep idol we'll talk about is control. Now remember, all idols come with a lie. If control is one of your deep idols, You are believing this fundamental lie. If I can just maintain influence or mastery over this situation, these people, my performance, my schedule, my income, or whatever, then I'll be okay, content, strong, and safe. But here's the biblical reality. You're not in control. You never have been and never will be. The Bible tells us that the only person in control is God. Proverbs nineteen twenty one declares, many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now, what are some of the typical characteristics of the deep idol of control? If your idol is control, then your functional heaven is having certainty or dominance while your bickered sphere is instability or weakness. One way it often plays itself out in a man's life if through the relentless pursuit of security, whether it's financial, vocational, or relational security. If this is your tendency, then you probably experience a lot of worry and anxiety. You might fixate on questions like, what if I lose my job? Or will I ever have enough money? You're always projecting into the future hypothetical scenarios and how they may unravel your life. Maybe you've experienced panic attacks or insomnia, and to cope with this anxiety, perhaps you've created an overdependence on alcohol or caffeine, a spouse, parent, or friend. Another way a deep idol of control can play itself out in a man's life is through an excessive pursuit of power. If this is you, then you always have to be in charge. you probably Overly enjoy excessive influence over people and situations. You always have to captain the ship. You don't just want people respect. You want them to know and experience you as a man of consequence. You are probably tempted to use people and situations to your advantage. And people can get the feeling around you that they are just objects or pawns. The next deep idol is significance. Significant tells you this lie. If this person, this social group, the colleagues in my profession, if they find me worthy of attention or love, if they acknowledge my value or greatness, as long as I am not being disgraced before them, then I'll be worthy, important, and acceptable. But what does the Bible tell us? Galatians 1 and 10 says, that if we're just trying to please man, we're not being a servant of Christ. Colossians 3.23 says that we should be living to please the Lord, not man. You see, the Bible tells us that finding our worth, value, or acceptance in the eyes of others will eventually lead to failure or disappointment. What are some of the typical characteristics of the deep isle of significance? If your idol is significance, then your functional heaven is affirmation, while your biggest fear is rejection or humiliation. This idol often plays itself out in your life as an overwhelming need for approval or love. If this is you, you're always seeking to please. You can't stand if someone's upset with you. You flee from conflict like it's the plague. Your greatest fear is that you'll let others down. You often beat yourself up for not saying the right thing You and you're overly occupied with doing relational maintenance with all of your friends, associates, and family members. Another way it can surface in a man's life is through an inordinate desire for recognition. If this is you, you want people to validate your greatness. At times, you long to be the center of attention. The world is your stage and people are your audience. You want fame in the eyes of others, whether it's your immediate boss, the board, or your buddies. The final deep idol relates primarily to the desires of the body. We call it the deep idol of comfort. And it tells you this line. If I can just maintain physical ease or relaxation, if life can just be laid back, If I can just keep away from stress or responsibility, if I can just experience some pleasure or enjoyment in the moment, then life will be more fulfilling, easy, fun, or thrilling. However, the Bible puts the ultimate fountain of pleasure elsewhere. King David wrote the following to God in one of his psalms. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures. What are some of the typical characteristics of a deep idol of comfort? If your idol is comfort, then your functional heaven is pleasure and ease, while your biggest fear is boredom and responsibility. An idol of comfort often manifests itself in a man's life through a fear of stress and responsibility. Relaxation and the absence of difficulty have become your end zone. You feel entitled to yet another hunting trip, to another party, to a, another ball game, club, or concert. It's always your high point. And you may have a tendency to view others as those who make demands on your schedule. From your perspective, the kids and wife are always making requests at the wrong time. You may also have a tendency toward quitting and laziness which you've conveniently just categorized as being laid back. A comfort idol can also show up in a man's life through constant consumption. Whether it's food, social media, relationships, porn, video games, gambling, or whatever, you always have to have something stimulating, entertaining, consoling, or distracting you. It's your go-to. Whenever life gets hard or stressful, you're tempted toward compulsive behavior, whether it's sex, comfort food, or that next big purchase. Your tendency is to indulge first and ask questions later. Control, significance, comfort. You've probably recognized yourself and your tendencies as we've described the typical characteristics of these three deep idols. And guys, isolating the real problem Is always one of the first steps to heart change. These three deep idols lurk secretly behind every manhood trap. Every sin, all idolatry, ultimately goes back to a misplaced happiness in one of these areas. And unless you fight sin at its root, by identifying your deep idols, you'll just be trimming weeds that will continue to grow back. I want you to meet Greg, Miguel, and Carlos, three regular guys who we'll be hearing from at different points throughout this volume as they share their stories with us, as they model the transparency and honesty needed for true heart change.
5: So I had these surface idols that I didn't know I was building that were actually fantastic things that slowly slipped into maybe some things that were more controlling leading young guys in my band to the Lord and then pouring my life into who they were. That is not a bad thing. How can that be a bad thing? It wasn't. And so I was seeing lives transformed through the music I was writing. I was seeing lives transformed through the relationships that I was building. I was seeing marriages healed because of my wife and I pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring and the surface idol of control for me was realizing that I had control over all of these facets in my ministry. I started to get invited to lead worship and to sing at larger conferences. My head started to get a little bit bigger because again, I began to be in control. The root idol of control for me was the thing that in my aha moment, when my wife looked me in the eye, control was the root of everything that was lacking in my marriage and relationship, at that point,
6: we've sort of established a rhythm several years back in our family. Um, that Saturday is is kind of a day of, of rest, a day of relaxation, and in the fall, it is a day specifically for football. A couple years back, I realized that our uh, our quaint little family tradition had morphed into more of an idol. Oklahoma was playing Texas A and M on the road. Second half, they were starting to afford to come back and and um, a critical time in the game. Uh, the quarterback throws an interception. At an almost the exact same moment, my, at the time, I think five-year-old daughter, uh, was trying to show me a cartwheel in her Oklahoma Sooner cheerleader outfit. She flips over a big bowl of popcorn that I just popped for myself. My wife, who happened to walk in the room at the time, caught whatever I said to her, and, uh, and then called me uh, into question for, for the way I responded to her, which led to, essentially, uh, a big disagreement between my wife and I to where I effectively missed the, the second half of the OU game. And not only that, but missed a night's sleep thinking about how in the world did I let it come to this, that I could be set off in, in such a, an egregious way because of a, an interception to where I would respond to my kid this way and then have a big disagreement about my wife. Um, that was probably the moment when I noticed that this, this good thing had become a God thing.
7: So when I was 27 years old, I, um, decided to really take a serious look at the restaurant industry, quit waiting tables, but take my life seriously. You see in the restaurant business to make 40, $50,000 a year as a general manager is the average. And here I was in a company where the top guys are making 250,000, only two layers up for me. I thought, you know what? I can do this. So here it was, you know, running one place, 220 seats, doing almost $15 million a year, unheard of for a single restaurant. And I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. My wife finally started realizing this is not the way to live the life. She didn't see me. I wasn't connected. When I was at home, I was more concerned about what was happening in the restaurant. She kept telling me I identified too much with my restaurant, that my entire identity was attached to it. I disagreed, to the point I got really upset the way she attacked me and attacked who I was. I mean, I was providing for the family. All this money was flowing in. The trips, she wasn't saying no. She was spending the money just as quickly as I was making it. But what happened was, eventually, it drew a big rift between us. She actually hated my job, resented what I did, and everything I stood for, and I could tell. I could tell. Well, as we close out our first session,
4: I want to point out a visual we've created to kind of give you a word picture for this new idol framework. It's in your training guide, and it's an iceberg. It shows you the deep idols below the surface and then all the surface idols that can emerge from those three deep idols. You know, as guys, we're visual learners, and this can help you master this framework as we continue to deal with this real part of all our lives. There's also a a great tool in your training guide to help you to begin to process uh, and and identify your deep idols. Uh, It's a list of diagnostic questions that are designed to get you thinking below the surface, uh, to help you get in touch with the needs and the deep idols of your heart the things that are driving your behaviors. So spend some time over the next couple of weeks answering these questions. And guys, hey, don't skip over them. Don't take them lightly because it is essential to get to the roots. And once we've identified our deep idols, then we can begin applying the battle plan that will help you defeat your idols. And we're gonna give you that battle plan in session three. At the end of each session, there's a place for you to write down a strategic move And then at the end of this series, you can assimilate all those moves into an action plan. In fact, I think the strategic move for this one is just to write down master the idle framework. And then the second thing I'd write is begin to answer the questions, answer the diagnostic questions. Now, in the next session, we're going to take a look at the life of a man who had everything the world had to offer, and he went for it all. Now, that is going to be interesting
1: here's what you got to know about solomon he had the ability to finance and actualize his grandest dreams every area he confesses is an area that every man has tried or wants to try
5: every decision is determined by a desire
4: it's one of the great dangers of idolatry is what it costs you you know what we need guys we need we need to know how to win this fight
1: You see, Adam and Eve believed the original lie. That original lie is the foundational lie for all idols. And here it is, that we must go around God and away from God rather than to God.
0: Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, man. Was that challenging or what, uh, you know, we, we have some surface idols control, uh, I mean, temptations and things of that nature, but it's underneath the surface that we have to look and we have to dig deep and and really see what's going on. What's our driving force, you know, um, I heard this from a pastor of my former pastor of mine. He says behind every um motion is a spirit. You know, and and so in other words there's motivation behind what we do. And we have to check and see what what is driving, what is the driving force behind what we do. Is it because I want to please God, or is it because I want to please myself, or is it because I want control, or is it because I just want to be comfort, I want to chill, uh, it's, whatever that is. And so we have to dig deeper. And I'm excited about this series. Um, I'm excited about let's get growing, man. This is just Antoine. Hey, we're going to continue to dig deeper. We're going to continue to um, touch the heart of the matter of why we are not where we need to be and how to get there. Uh, Hey, be blessed. I'll see you at the top. Bye
1: for now.